Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of 9 to 5 Faith. I'm here with my friend, Katie Axelson. Axelson. How, am I saying that right? Axelson. Yeah, you got it, Axelson. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a little bit of a tease there with an L right next to an S. I know. Like, you just don't expect it. A lot of people flip it and they say Alexson. That's wrong. No, I saw it. You got okay. the X right. That's good. Axel, yes. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Good, doing good. Um, besides, uh, you know, having that timely coughing attack it's okay <laughs> always, always always right when it matters it's exactly it's like when the waiter comes up and it like asks you how your food is and you're like mid-bite but yeah like mm-hmm. as a I worked once upon a time doing like service for like food and yeah it's definitely difficult to like time that perfectly because someone oh, at sure. the table is always taking a bite well which is a good thing you want them to be eating their food that is true that's true. What they say, like conversation, a quiet dinner is a good dinner because you know everyone's going to be eating. So it's true. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Katie Axelson. Um, I'm in my mid 30s. I'm single. I just moved to Austin, Texas. Um, so my day job is in digital content. So basically, like website organization stuff. And um, I host Have Hope Will Travel podcast, which is a podcast designed to create space for others to share their perspectives and their stories so we can make the world a smaller place. Just like when we travel, we get to know people who are different than we are and we understand things a little bit differently. So we stand with people instead of having opinions on issues. Yeah, I love that. Make the world a smaller place. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. And you're sitting with a fellow like digital marketer person over oh, here. So we are in good company. I always I love like it. meeting Phil. So you just moved to Austin from where? Minneapolis, Minnesota. That is quite the jump. It is quite the jump, especially to do it in June. Yeah. Yeah. Because Minneapolis is just starting to get gorgeous in June and Austin is getting not gorgeous in June. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm in Arizona and it is stinky hot outside yeah. but like texas is like also humid so yeah, yeah. i would fun. i had to check my mail in the middle of the day today and it was actually like gorgeous it was like 89 and i was oh, like this so is nice. a perfect day so all of my outside <laughs> projects i was like oh i'm doing them right now that's perfect it's so gonna what, get to like 105 but you yeah. know it's fine it was perfect it's like moment. 113 here no big deal nice yeah uh, here we are you got this so why did you move that's like such a significant move. Yeah. So I moved for work. Okay. Okay. So yeah. is this a new job or just like relocating out of like kind of convenience for the work? Uh, relocating out of convenience for the work. Okay. Um, I was working remotely for a while and then it just makes more sense for me to work hybrid. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so kind of tell me a little bit about like what you do. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I don't have an easy answer for. Um, I uh, like kind of in the project manager realm of digital content. So basically my job is to make sure that we are doing what we say we're going to do in the time that we say we're going to do it. And so it's a lot of tracking people down, a lot of following up, a lot of like resetting, Hey, we said we'd have this for you today. We're going to have it for you tomorrow. We're on it. You know, those types of things. Um, And so making sure I'm organizing communication all the way. Do you work for an agency? I do not. No, you work in house. Mm-hmm. Wow, the way you were talking about it, I was like, I bet she works for an agency. I am wrong. You work. I am one of the Very few cool. in house. Yeah, I'm one of the few in house people. I am an in house person too. So, yeah. um, for those who are not like familiar, you can either contract out your work to an agency, or you can do it in house. Sometimes it's a hybrid, depending on the size of the company. Um, but uh, I'm an in house person where I'm like, I like to have one client focus mm-hmm. on like one brand, one voice, all that good stuff. Exactly. So, exactly. So project manager, I, which means yeah. you're ultra organized as well. I can... Yeah, that's a thing. Um, I was <laughs> freelance for a while. I started my career freelance as contractors, as a contractor. Um, and it was fine. Like I enjoyed that. Um, yeah. But I also found that it was really hard to manage. I was writing at the time, the different voices between the different organizations. Yeah. So like I had one university that was very professional, very formal, um, and they actually gave me a desk that I showed up to. So it was very professional, very organized. Here we are. And then I had one um, Christian organization that was very loose, um, like pretty extremely loose within the Christian realm. Like, let's not get wild here. Right. Um, and I had a really hard time switching between those two voices, hmm. um, especially as I was like splitting my days half day or whatever. Right. 
Um, and I didn't have an office to show up to that was for the more loose organization. And I was like, whoa, this is a trick for my brain. I figured yeah. out some ways to do it, but it was yeah. difficult. Yeah. And ever I since then, I'm like, imagine. I would prefer to be in-house. Right. Yeah. It's it's definitely, there's definitely those. I, I did a stint at an agency and my boss slash like the owner of the agency was like, I I would hate to work on the same thing every day. And I'm like, I love it. Like, I love it. I'm mm-hmm. a creature of habit. I love to work on the same things, not because it's redundant, but also it just, I think like you know, you can really hone your craft. And like when you work in house, like hone your voice, mm-hmm. like really get to know your voice. Um, yeah. So I always, and you know, like, this is people. how we did it five years ago. This is how we did it 10 years ago. This is how we're doing it now. Like you've been part of that journey yeah. all the way through, which is the benefit when you've been with a company for a while versus a contractor's just coming to be like, Hey, this is great. And you're like, no, we can't do that. We've already done yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. My husband was just like proofreading like a website page that I had built for myself. And he was like, it sounds a little informal, but that sounds like you. And I was like, oh, good. Like, that's like what I want to come That'll off. work. Yeah. So where um, in your faith journey did you like, or where in your work history did you find your faith journey? Ooh, that's a good one. So um, I started my career freelance and I was mostly working for Christian organizations. So it's okay. always been part of my faith journey um, mm. or my faith and my work have always been together. Right. Um, I lived abroad as a missionary for a year and when I came home is when I took my first secular job and I like hadn't switched my brain. And so very right away in my first introductory email, I was like, I love Jesus. And everyone was like, whoa. <laughs> and I was like, oops. things Katie did 10 years ago that she wouldn't do again. Um, It was fine. It was respectful, but everyone was respectful about it. Um, But it still was a little bit more forward than I think they were prepared for. And I was like, I'm kind of a what you see is what you get kind of woman. So here we are. Right. Um, So it's always been part of my journey. Um, And I've never really known like what that would look like, especially now working at a secular company where I can't talk about Jesus all the time. I can't go on mission trips with coworkers, like things like that just don't happen. Um, but I found that there's still space to make it worshipful, mm. um, to like honor the Lord in my work and to do what he has called me to do and to be in the place where he's called me to be. And reality is I get to spend 40 hours a week with people who are probably not ever going to step into a church. And I don't want to speak that over them. Um, and I right. would love to hear that they have stepped into a church, but they spend 40 hours a week with me. Right. <laughs> um, and like Holy Spirit lives in me. And so here we are right. and I get to... Um, to, to pastor them in some ways, yeah. um, through yeah. their hard seasons. And if nothing else, if they, if we end our time together and they're like, Katie was nice. I enjoyed working with her. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But if they're like, something's different about Katie and I want to know more about that, that difference is Jesus. Let's talk about it. Mm. Or like heaven forbid, they end up in some sort of a crisis and they don't know what to do, but they know right. that I'm pretty level headed. And then I will know the resources. Maybe they call me, you know, yeah. and maybe I can minister to them in that moment. Or maybe I can minister to them just on a hard day when they're not feeling well, but I'm yeah. getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I, I love that though. And and I totally resonate with the whole like, hey, I love Jesus because I, I think I got a job offer one time at a secular com- company and like my instinct was like, oh, let me take the weekend to pray about that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I wanted to answer. And I was like, Paige, like, they don't understand what that means. Like, they don't speak that language. Um, And so I, like, had to, like, now that I'm married, it's, like, a really good kind of, like, crutch of, like, let me talk to my husband about it. But, like, really, I'm like, no, let me also talk to Jesus about it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will just say, like, let me think about it. And it think is prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So the what's the most significant difference um besides kind of working like as a contractor versus like Mm in-house but like for a christian company versus a secular company um what is the most like outstanding meaning like most in your face difference somebody's gonna cancel me for saying this um I actually think that, at least in my experience, my secular company does church better than my Christian companies mm. do. Um, and what I mean by that is my secular company is very welcoming. They are very respectful of my I love Jesus, just like they're very respectful of everyone else. And it's a space where you can bring all of who you are to work. 
And in a Christian space, you can't always bring all of who you are to work because there yeah. are some aspects of people that aren't welcome um, in Christian mm. churches. And I'm not even talking about like the extreme or like the political things. Like I know people who are divorced who feel unwelcome in Christian mm. organizations. Yeah. Um, and so being able to bring all of who I am has been so like refreshing mm. um, and to be so respectful and to be so like willing to help. Like when I was moving from Minneapolis to Austin, um, I, and I needed help with my house. I actually didn't, I mean, I did eventually go to my church friends, but I started with going to the team who was in Minneapolis. I was mm. like, Hey, coworkers, I need your help with this, this, and this, and this, um, or I need to borrow somebody's truck or a saw or whatever. And, and they were all willing to provide it. Um, wow. because that's just kind of the community that we have as a company. Yeah. That's interesting too. And like, I wasn't expecting that answer because I think it also like, it says a lot about like the company culture. Also, like I would maybe argue to say like, I don't even know the company that you work for, but you can tell people who are more either religious or faith-based in some regard um, how they run their company is different than those who don't. So like you can yeah. kind of see that trickle down um, to kind of create that atmosphere of like belonging and accepting. Um, but I'd also say like, that's a rare experience to where mm -hmm. your Christian faith is more accepted because I will say um, I've worked in the tech space for a long time and uh, that is not the case. Oh, bummer. So, uh, but I am pleasantly hearing that that is the case for you which is yeah. awesome to hear yeah um I really enjoy it and I think about like one of my bosses at a Christian organization I had been traveling for work that weekend and she's like did you share the gospel with the person sitting next to you on the plane and I was like no I took a nap like I don't <laughs> want to talk to the person sitting next to me on the plane yeah um and just there was that like pressure and obligation I'm not even working right now I am on a plane Right. Um, and so there, there was none of that with, with my secular company. They're like, did you have a good nap on the plane? I was like, yes, I did. And they're like, by the way, I sent you an email while you're on the plane, but you can get to it when you get to it. And I was like, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, again, it, it does allow for a level of like human humanness mm -hmm. when, when you do find yourself kind of in a secular company, because uh, as we were just briefly chatting right before this episode, we were saying like, you know, this perspective isn't talked about. And like, I think that is because a lot of what we hear in Christian culture is from the pulpit and people who, I mean, nine times out of 10, I don't want to speak for every Christian church in America, but nine times out of 10, that's their only job is 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 to do the pastor thing and to do the ministry thing which is great but also mm. the rest of us don't right right yeah. and i think that in some ways it needs to be their only job because it is more than a full-time job like the pastors right. that i know are working 68 eight hours a week there's no possible way right. they're going to be able to oh, be yeah. bivocational but at the same time like we need somebody who understands the workplace um to help us actually implement um what we're believing on monday morning like having a monday morning faith um, which is why I absolutely love your show to be able to bridge that gap and to step in between the yeah. two. Yeah. And I think even just like the language that we speak is different. Like, like you were just saying with like the plane experience, like someone saying like, Oh, did you talk to the person about the gospel? Like next to you, mm -hmm. like that conversation, while it's important, I think that those of us who kind of work in maybe a secular workplace, not that it's not a priority, but I think it's a really big shift in our approach to sharing the gospel where like people who work full-time in ministry, it's like, you can kind of get away with like being like Jesus, right? What do you like, do for work? I'm a pastor. Oh, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Right. Easy. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's an easier jump there versus like the language that we talk in the secular workplace is more so walking alongside people versus, um, you know, just kind of preaching at them, I guess. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all relational. Yeah. Like, that's, that's where it is. It's the people that I am spending 40 hours a week or more with day in and day out. Do I know what their kids are doing? Do I, or yeah. do I know their kids' names? Do I go to their sporting events? Do I know about their spouse? Like, 
it's actually investing in them and then covering for them when they've had some sort of um, situation where they can't do their work. It's like, I can help with that because your kid is sick, you know? Yeah. All my examples were about families. I have single coworkers too that I support. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I I was uh I was just thinking that the other day that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure every single one of my coworkers, besides kind of the one who came over with me to the job, like have have kids and are like either married or divorced or some situation like that. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is like really foreign. I'm <laughs> I, I am a dink. I am classified as a dink. Nice. Are you familiar with? The yes. Term? Dual income, no kids. Love yes, it. my friends when they come over. Um, when they, I had a few friends who were single, and they came over and they looked at my fridge, my fridge of all things, and goes, "Oh my gosh, that's a dual income fridge." Uh-huh. I was like, "I don't know what that means, but okay." Like, yeah, <laughs> apparently a dual income fridge is definitely a thing, but it it's a nicer fridge with different stuff in it. Yes, and and I mean, you also brought up a good point of like the demographics of people you work with are probably significantly different than those you see in ministry because I would I mean I don't have stats to I'm sure there's statistics (laughs) out there somewhere but I would argue to say to stereotype the crap out of people excuse my language but I say crap uh, to stereotype the crap out of people is I would argue to say most people in ministry are married with kids. Yep. I would stereotype that too. Yeah. And so what you're saying too, though, is like, not only are the people you're working with outside of that stereotype, but also like the way you minister to them is different. Right. Yeah. So what does that look like to you? I like to like take, take my listeners through like a journey of like what your day a day in the life sure as Katie looks like yeah so I would say every day is a little bit different um because of just the nature of my work no, no two days are ever the same um but generally like a general guideline um I work remotely two days a week and I work in the office three days a week um so it's a balance of like getting my work done at home, but then also making sure that I've got relationships with my coworkers and getting the work done in the office. So I get up in the morning and um, one of the disciplines that I'm not very good at, um, but I like to practice is from six until 7.30 in the morning and at night is a no technology time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I put my phone in the drawer of my bedside table so that I don't see it first thing when I wake up. Um, I do sleep with my Apple watch on. And so if there's anything like emergency text messages, I will see those on my watch and then can right. handle, decide if it needs to be handled immediately or if it can wait until 730. Right. Um, so I see my text messages, but I try not to like do anything with them. Um, and so like get up, get ready like everyone else does. Um, try to spend some time with the Lord first thing in the morning. Now being in Austin, I'm learning that if I'm doing anything outside, that has to also happen first thing in the morning. And that's yes. making first thing in the morning very full. Um, so kind of figuring out and rearranging yeah. um, as needed there. Um, and then I go into work and I work all day. And then from 6 to 7.30 again at night, um, no more technology. And so in that time, I try to do something manual. Mm. Um, I have heard the idea that like, if you work with your mind, rest with your hands. If you work with your hands, rest yeah. with your mind. But yeah. I work with my mind. And so yeah. I need to do things with my hands. Hmm. Moving has had a great opportunity for that because I'm like, ooh, I can paint this small. I can hang those pictures. Yeah. I can do this, that, and the other thing. Um, but sometimes something manual is just chopping vegetables, like yeah. something physical with my body or with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, in Minneapolis, I like to go for a walk during that time. You can't do that here in Austin. That is the heat of the day. Do not go for a walk from 6 to 7.30. Nope. Um, but that was my favorite end of the day activity. Yeah. And so just something to get myself, again, away from the technology, away from the screen. I'm on a screen all day, sometimes multiple screens. Right. Um, As I sit away- here with my iPad, my laptop, and my other laptop. Um, on I have two computers, <laughs> an external monitor, and a phone all on this desk right now. So, yeah, um, yeah I get it. <laughs> um, so uh, step away from the screens. Like, yeah have that time away. And if I'm not feeling up to doing something manual, maybe I'll read a book during that time. Um, Just something a little bit different um, that is away from the screens. And again, I'm not great at this. So don't Mm -hmm. hear me saying I am an expert at this, but it's a discipline and it's a discipline that I try to practice. And, or sometimes I'll run errands during that time. Or if there's something that I've really been dreading, that's not a screen project, that's when it has to get done. Um, I love that like time frame though. 
like mm-hmm. six to seven thirty, both in the morning and night. Mm-hmm. See, here are some people who are like, oh, I do like, you know, just in the morning or just at night. And I like though, like any time that falls between six and seven thirty is no technology. Mm-hmm. I heard of a town, and I don't know if this is true. I haven't fact-checked it. I saw it on the internet. It's probably not true, Um, but it inspired me. Apparently, this entire small town, I think, I want to say it was in Canada, but that might it might have just been a Canadian individual that I heard it from, so maybe it wasn't. Um, The power is shut off in their mm. town from, six, from 7 to 8.30. And so, like, there's just no screens from 7 to 8.30. Um, and so I tried that first. I was like, oh, 7 to 8.30, that seems to make sense. Except that I also try to wrap up whatever I'm doing for the night at 9. So yeah. that 8.30 to 9 time just wasn't working for me. Right. And so that's when I moved it earlier and it's closer to right after work. Obviously, do I leave work at 5 o'clock every single day? No. But if right. I haven't left work at 6 yet, do I really need to stay or is it time for me to go right. home? Yeah. Um, so I have that discipline too of like, hey, I actually have to get out of the office at this point. Obviously, emergencies, life happens. Right, work needs to needs to happen too. Um, so it's not a not a law. Um, right, just a guideline rule. And so it's a good time to be like, oh, hey, it's six o'clock. I need to go home. Um, and so that's that's why that time has worked. And then it's if I do leave at five or five thirty or whenever I leave, it's a good chance to decompress from the day and to mm. not jump straight into like my own podcast project, right? Um, or things like that. Cause I could go straight from my work computer to my personal computer all night and just be fine with it. Yeah. And that is not good for my mental health. Right. Um, and I will feel the effects of that, um, shortly thereafter. Yeah. So then six to seven thirty made more sense for me. Cause then I can use from seven thirty to nine ish when I try to wrap up for the night to do my own podcasting stuff, to catch up yeah. on emails, things like that. Sometimes my computer doesn't get out again. Like your email, for example, I saw yeah. it the day it came in, but it just <laughs> didn't get responded to for a couple of days All right. because I was trying to not be on my technology. And I was like, I right. will get to back to page. It's just not yeah. going to be immediately. Um, and then from nine to 10, I'm not as strict with the no technology thing, but it's just better for your sleep hygiene if you're not on yeah. your phone before bed. Yeah. Um, and so I try to like read or spend that time with the Lord most of the time from nine to 10, I'm wrapping up whatever loose ends I have on the day. So not super disciplined about that one, but, um, that's the goal. And then in that time, at the end of the day, I try to reflect on the day and in different seasons, I need to reflect differently on that. So there was one year for Lent. I took the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, Mm -hmm. joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, um, all of those. And I wrote them out every single day I listed, how did I see an example of faithfulness today? How did I see Mm. an example of joy today? Be it in my own life or in someone else's life. How did I see an example of self-control today? Um, Just those types of things. And sometimes self-control is my sister had the opportunity to push my cousin in the pool and she declined. Um, You know what I mean? Like that's still self-control. And so I still got to see an example of it. So some days I go through all of them. That can be a project. Right. Um, so most days I just go through what my word is for the year. So my word yeah. for this year has been generous. Mm. And so I look at, okay, where did I see an example of generosity today? The example of generosity that. I saw today was that somebody paid for my lunch. That was generous. That was unnecessary and generous. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. So that's where I got to see generosity today. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think too, like, I always find that my mind starts just like reeling and going in like hyperdrive at night, especially like I'll start, I like pray myself to sleep. I don't know if this is like a common thing, but I pray myself to sleep almost every night, but I'll find myself like my brain will be like this. If you, I'm a hand talker Italian, but like my brain will be on one path and then I'll just kind of veer off and like go in the Mm -hmm. different direction. Um, And so like just that discipline of like kind of, emptying your brain at night has shown to be like really helpful yeah so I love hearing that that. Mm -hmm. yeah so how do you make sure that you fit in that one-on-one time with God that is a good question and I think the answer (laughs) depends on the day um there's obviously the like good churchy answer of like you make it a priority and that's true but at the same time, like you make it a priority and you fit it where it fits. Yeah. Um, there was a season of life where I didn't have that time in the morning yeah. or at night. Um, it just wasn't feasible because of the other situations in my life. Um, but I had a th- hour lunch break. And so I would spend 20, 30 minutes eating with 
my coworkers, whatever, building relationships with them. But then I would spend the other 30 minutes off quiet somewhere reading or um, praying or whatever it was in whatever quiet space I could find, which could be the elevator or like a back hallway or like wherever. Right. Um, I had people regularly be like, why, why are you back here? And I'd be like, cause I just needed some alone time. Cause I'm an introvert and y'all are a lot. And they'd be yeah. like, fair, okay. you know? Yeah. And no, no one ever questioned that. As long as I was where I was legally allowed to be, they're like, oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I'm I hiding always... because otherwise people are going to ask me work questions <laughs> and I'm on lunch right now. I would always do like car naps Although it's mm-hmm. hard to do in the summer, but you just run your right. air conditioning and pay for gas later. Car naps. And then like uh, the time I was in office, uh, I would take desk naps if my sure. coworkers were like not around, like crawling under my desk and like take a nap. That was. A People who have office doors have a luxury in that regard because they can just close the door or the blinds or whatever. Turn and off just the lights. Turn off the lights. Mm-hmm. Take a snooze. It's true. I mean, I had a cube, so I would even do it. That's a I haven't tried or, that at a cube. Or, or if you have like meeting rooms, mm. oh, my sister, my nephew was trying to call me. Um, If you have meeting rooms and you book a meeting room and then just like shut the door and turn off the lights in the meeting room. It's a good idea. I've definitely done that before. Just to love like, it. Yeah. Have a little yeah. decompression time. Have a little mm-hmm. quiet time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I kind of just figure out where my coworkers are and be somewhere where they are not. That's valid. I think, mm-hmm. I think too. And it like depends on the workspace and that you're like working in and like mm-hmm. being surrounded by like the types of people, like, are they all introverted or are they like, I mean, it's marketing. So most people are extroverted. They're all extroverted and they're all creative and they all drain me at the end of the day. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. They are my people but I need to get away from them sometimes. Yes. I'm definitely like an ambivert where I'm like 50, 50, where I'm like, I can like nerd out and like go like mm-hmm. so extroverted, but also at the end of the day, I'm exhausted and I need like 15 minutes of quiet time. I need a mix of both, which yeah. is why I try not to take my work from home days like consecutively mm. um, because I need to not be by myself for too many days in a row, but also not be with people too many days in a row. So the hybrid work schedule is perfect for me. That is awesome. That is awesome mm-hmm. that like you have that level of like self-awareness. Yeah, it works like. So how long have you been in Austin now? Like a, a month, month, a month. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I'll ask this question, but I also like ask it knowing that like you are probably still like very much getting settled in, but like, have you been able to find a church where you're at? Like, have you been able to like get connected in that community? And like, what is that looking like for you right now in this season? Yeah. Great question. So this exact season I'm church shopping, which no one likes. Right. Right. Um, It's the worst part about moving. I don't know if that's true. There are a lot of worst parts about moving. Um, but it is still a discipline to make sure that I am showing up to a church every week. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the churches in the Minneapolis area, it's called Creative Church, has this thing called they call the three visit challenge, where they mm-hmm. encourage you to visit the church three times before you make your decision on if you're going to attend that church. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need to be three consecutive weeks, I don't think. But like right. the theory is if you go once and there's a guest pastor, you don't really know what the church is like. Right. If you go um, like maybe it's a, a fundraiser weekend or something different is happening this weekend. Like three right. gives you a good feel for what the church is like. Um, and so I'm trying to take the three visit challenge with churches that I'm seeing. Hmm. Sometimes I know right away, Hey, this isn't going to be it. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I'm like, okay, this was, a, this was an okay church. Let's try it again. And so I did the three visit challenge with a church, wasn't thrilled with it. So we're back to square one of starting over, but there you go. um, it took three visits for me to decide. Visit yeah. one, I was like, eh, it's a five out of 10. Yeah. Visit two, I was like, oh, it's an eight out of 10. I liked that. And visit three, I was like, nope, three out of 10, we're done. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. And then, you know, a lot of that comes with like discernment and, you know, mm-hmm. understanding like there's a very large church out by me and uh, I did not need to go more than once to yeah. to decide like, yep. Uh, pastors should probably not be preaching solely from the message. Like that's just, you know, my opinion on that. Um, but one thing that like, I will say is, um, not necessarily that like 
the pastor always needs to be on point every time. But when my husband and I were trying to find a church kind of like out here, we're in the East Valley. Um, I just watched a bunch of sermons online from a bunch of different pastors. And I was like, if it doesn't like, not necessarily at the message connects, but the way that it's delivered and their speaking style and their teaching style. Um, if it doesn't land and it doesn't connect, I'm like, that's going to be a no for me. Yeah. That is one of the beauties of the internet is that you get a chance to explore, um, different churches. Um, I always have to be careful because I'm like, oh, I went to church online. Like it counts. Oh yeah. It does it count. First of all, what are we counting? Second of all, like your church online is not going to bring you a meal when you're quarantined with COVID. Like maybe that's an old example now, but it's still the reality of like, they're not going to be there for you when you need them for and sure. So, um, making sure that you're also going in oh, person. Yeah. And so like there are a couple churches that I visited online before I moved, obviously I knew yeah. I was moving that I'm like, eh, I don't need to visit that one in person, but there are yeah. a couple that I was like, Oh, I should visit this one in person once I get there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. When I was shopping, I would like take a day and just like find all these different sermons from all these mm-hmm. different churches and just watch them and be like, okay, maybe this is one that we want to like go and visit and everything like that. And I think too, it just depends on like teaching style and all that stuff. So I'll also say like, I'm very comfortable in most churches. Hmm. I can do high church. I can do low church. I can do it all. Um, but I'm not truly. Wait, hold on. What does that mean? Oh, high church would be like, more of more formal, um, okay. liturgical, like robe kind of gotcha. thing. Gotcha. Church is more of your typical non-denominational I've church. I've never heard it put like that before. That's why I had to stop you. Oh, oh no worries. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So I'm comfortable in the more traditional churches, the less traditional churches. I'm comfortable in all of them, but I'm truly at home in very few churches. Hmm. And so knowing that about myself, I'm like, well, I'll just go where I'm invited. And so that's yeah. how the church that I visited got three visits because a coworker invited me and then a different oh, coworker cool. invited me to the same church. Um, which I will say was the coolest thing. Hmm. Getting to worship with my coworkers is an experience that I have never had before, especially yeah. in my secular co- secular company. Yeah. Um, and so to realize, okay, first of all, there are other Christians here. Second of all, like they know that I'm a Christian, and so they invited me to church. And now here we are in this pew, and then there they are on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day I see them. Like, yeah. is the coolest thing. And so in some ways, that's one of my priorities right now. It's like, okay, mm. if I'm comfortable in most churches, how do I find a church where there are some coworkers that I can be worshiping with every week? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And I think too, like, like for me instantly, I'm like not close with my coworkers. Like it just like made me kind of like clam up a little bit at that thought because I'm like, oh, that's like a very almost like intimate way to get to know your coworkers mm-hmm. is to worship alongside them. It is. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So that is a risk, but also yeah. like, again, it's high reward because then mm-hmm. you are familiar with the types of people, um, that you're working alongside and, you know, right. they kind of are raising their hand and you can raise it back. Exactly. Give them a high yeah. five. There you go. Make it awkward. So you mentioned something earlier that I want to go back to, and it was this idea of like having a Monday faith and being mm. a Monday Christian. Yeah. Share more about that. Yeah. So I, being a Monday Christian is really just like believing what you say you believe on Sunday, also on Monday. Mm. And so it looks like your faith showing up in your workplace. Um, and it doesn't need to be like flamboyant and outgoing and you don't need to be sharing the gospel with the person sitting next to you on the airplane. I think we've already established that's not my cup of tea. Um, but it does look like still believing it on Monday. And mm. so sometimes that looks like being like, I can't be part of that project because I it doesn't align with my values. I can't be part of that project because it doesn't align with my ethics. I would rather have you ever like, yeah done that? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Okay. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, ahead. it's fine. It's fine. I can't go into too many details about how I did it or what I did, but I did yeah. have, to, have to stand up for what I believe in that way. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. I'm yeah. fascinated. That's okay. Um. So uh, yeah, just still believing what you believe and still acting like you believe what you believe. And so that looks like in how you carry yourself, how you talk about your coworkers, how you talk to your coworkers. Um, do you believe in them? Do you believe in them doing their jobs well? Can you support and encourage them even when it might be difficult? Like even when they got that promotion that you really wanted, are you going to be the first person to congratulate them? Right. Are you going to give them a high five? Are you going to um, pray for them whether they know it or not? Mm-hmm. Um, I 
have been able to pray for coworkers at work, um, coworkers who don't even believe what I believe. Um, so for example, like one of my Jewish coworkers wasn't feeling well and he knew I was a Christian. I knew he was Jewish, but I still was like, Hey, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, and we didn't have like private space to have gone Mm -hmm. to, to pray. Um, so I just asked him a lot of questions and then I thought, okay, well, what's the common ground of our faith here? Common ground of our faith here is Yahweh God. And so I just prayed to God to heal him, Yeah, you know, and I, Jesus is the difference in our faith. And so I didn't bring up Jesus in that, in that particular Mm. conversation. While of course that is also who I'm praying to. Um, I focused on the commonalities of our faith Um, and just ask God to heal him. Amen. You know? Um, and he did still end up going home sick that day, but he made it a lot further into the day than we thought he would. (laughs) Um, and so just being able to see moments like that, or like everyone knows that I'm a Christian. So sometimes faith questions just come up in the course of life. Yeah. Um, and I've been the resource that they're comfortable coming to. Yeah. And then it also looks like learning from them. Um, there have been plenty of, I don't want to make this a polarized conversation here, but plenty of things that have been controversial over the last several years. Yeah. Like especially living in Minneapolis. Right. Yeah. Um, which is where George Floyd was murdered. So like to be able to hear all these Christians saying, well, all lives matter. Why do you just say black lives matter? But then to actually sit down with someone to say, okay, yeah, all lives do matter, but it's the black lives that we're risking right now. And so what does it look like to actually support our friends of color, our black friends, our, our whatever term that they prefer friends to support them in that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I hadn't thought about it that way. And so it's the chance to sit down mm. and actually learn from them, which is actually where my podcast came out. Um, shameless plug um, was from a conversation like that. Yeah. Um, it happened to be with a Jewish coworker about what it was like to be Jewish at Christmas time. Mm. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like people need to hear this. Will you come on my show? I had just as a baby podcast, I did like three episodes yet. So yeah. I didn't even know what it was about. I was like, it's about Jesus. Well, no, apparently it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not. Yeah. Um, and so brought her on the show and was like, hey, talk about what it's like to be Jewish at Christmas time in the month of December. Yeah. Um, how can we be respectful of your faith while ours is right in your face? Right. Um, and so it's made me more conscious and more aware of that. And now mm. almost 100 episodes later, we've talked to a lot of different people about how we can be more supportive um, of their perspective of their life story. And we're not afraid to talk about the hard things. And I think that's yeah. where it comes from is what does it look like to actually listen? Yeah. Um, and there have been times in the show where I've wanted to contradict somebody because I don't believe what they've said, or I feel like what they said is, is, um, heretical or not supportive of Jesus, but I've had to sit there and go, okay, I asked them to come on my show to share their perspective. I can't ask them to come on my show to share their perspective and then tell them they're wrong. That's disrespectful. Um, so I just have to roll with it, um, and try to find again, the common ground. So if somebody has said something that I don't believe, I don't believe 90% of it, but if I do follow the 10%, I will latch onto that 10%. Um, and I will acknowledge like what they have said that I do actually believe and reinforce yeah. that. And then sometimes let the rest of it either roll off or be like, hmm, I have to think about that. Um, yeah. And so it's the, I don't want to say the show is the same way I live my life, but it's very like similar mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was going to say let's, like, let's it talk sounds about like it. your mindset. Um, mm-hmm. is kind of reflected in what you do in the podcast. Yeah. So in, in all of that, how do you cling to capital T truth mm. in all of that? Because I hear what you're saying of like, okay, let's find common ground in all of that stuff. But at the, like, I, this is just like my own internal, like dissonance going on of like, okay, but there is absolute truth and that's not to say we shouldn't hear the stories of those people but how can we hear them and also proclaim absolute truth at the same time yeah i think it looks like admitting that we don't know everything um and we don't know what we don't know and that's the beauty in hearing their story so i start with listening to understand um asking questions to understand to hear their perspective and then i take a look at okay what does God say? What does the scripture say? Um, What have I always believed? Is my interpretation of the scripture like in alignment with the scripture, what the scripture has actually said, or is it what I've always heard is taught about this scripture? And sometimes I have to say, I don't know. Like scripture can be interpreted in so many different ways. And I'm not saying like Unitarianism here, like there is one way truth, life, his name is Jesus. Um, But also saying like, there are some things that I 
people who read scripture and interpret it differently than I do. For example, um, I had one of my good friends on the show who is a gay pastor. And I was like, okay, help me understand how mm. do you read scripture in like in alignment with what you believe in who you are? Help me understand. Um, and it was it was insightful to me. And I still have a lot of questions. There are still a lot of things that I don't understand. Um, but it's not my job to tell him or anyone else that I think they're wrong. That's Holy Spirit's job. I'm supposed to like hold myself to the standard that is truth and to um, love them and take care for them the way that God would love and care for them um, and let him handle the details of what does that look like. And that may not mean that I'm supporting everything that they're doing. It may mean that I'm opting out. Like I said earlier, like there have been work projects I've opted out of. There have been social events that I've opted out of yeah. because I'm not in supportive of that, support of that. But at the same time, it's like, well, what does it look like? What can I support? You yeah. Know? Yeah. I can support going to happy hour. I can show up at happy hour. I will not be doing three rounds of tequila shots, but right. I will show up to happy hour. <laughs> Those kinds of things. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And yeah, I think too, like just understand, man, I just like want to go listen to these episodes now because I'm like so <laughs> curious. I'm like, oh, what did the, what did this pastor say and, mm-hmm. and about everything? And because I have heard kind of the full range of arguments and everything. Um, I think my question to you, and this is getting like very theological. So like, stop me if there. you don't want to go yeah. down this route. But where does it come? Like, where does the scripture and the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because I like it was on top of my head yesterday so in terms of like when scripture tells us to rebuke our neighbors Mm. right like how how do you balance that with Mm -hmm. like like it's not them to it's not my place to tell them that they're wrong when Mm -hmm. scripture does tell us to like rebuke people yeah so I think it takes a look at like what is the context of that particular rebuke and so like the one that I'm thinking of Oh, I wish I had a Bible within arm's reach. I've got all these technology devices and I don't have a Bible here. But the one I'm thinking of is the one in the Gospels where Jesus is like, take it to the person, take it to the church, take it to the community, those types of things. That's in the context of a community that has asked for that type of accountability. Being part of a church, I'm going to hold the coworkers that I go to church with to a different standard than I do the coworkers that I don't go to church with or the coworkers Mm -hmm. who don't go to church. I'm going to hold them to a different standard. I'm going to say, hey, I don't know if you realize you did this, but that wasn't cool. You know, the same way I'm going to say, hey, I saw Jesus in you in that moment. And that was awesome. Well done. Um, Because we have that relationship, because we go to church together, because we share our faith. My coworkers who don't go to church don't share their faith. I can't hold them to the same standard that I hold myself to because they haven't submitted to the authority that is Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was just more so curious about the conversation with the gay pastor. I was really... I'm just going to have to go listen to that on the side though, <laughs> because, well, and, and not out of like, you know, drama curiosity, but mm-hmm. also I think that like, I think Christians have a habit of shying away from what we would like to call the fringe examples mm. when really they're not so fringe anymore. Sure. And I think that like there needs to be an element of leaning into that and having those conversations Um, because again, they're not like, again, you know, there are a plethora of people who are out there who think it's okay or not okay to have a gay pastor. Like what, you know, like I know what I believe um, and what scripture has has revealed to me about that but again it's not a fringe example anymore it is very unfringed Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is very very commonplace yeah it's one of those things that we're like sorry siri on my computer's going off let me make her stop yeah i know you didn't no i don't (laughs) want to try again and it wasn't even talking to you um like as i'm church hunting that's one of the things that i'm being attentive to it's like where does this church stand are they affirming? Are they not affirming? How do I feel about what they are affirming? How do I feel about what they're not affirming? How do I feel about their approach to this conversation that is, like you've mentioned, everywhere we go? Yeah. Um, and just kind of weighing it with both hands and also being like, it's not an issue that directly affects me, but how can I love and support those it does directly affect? Yeah. Like what's going to be empowering to them, whether I agree or not, is not the issue here. 
The issue is going to be, how are we loving them like Jesus? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, like, I mean, just working in a secular environment, I think that within the church, it might seem fringe, but within a secular environment, it's commonplace. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that is why maybe I'm feeling that there is a little bit of a gap in regards to maybe not necessarily, necessarily how we should handle it, but, or like not what we should believe about it, but how we should handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've ran into that issue so many times and I've told this story on the podcast before of like, um, this, this coworker of mine, um, was talking uh, or alluding to the fact that he went and did a drag show and openly asked to kind of like, a, like a group chat who wants to see pictures. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I'm like, okay. I don't know how to respond True. in a way that is honoring to God and like mm-hmm. what he said about scripture or what mm-hmm. he has said about, you know, gender and, 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 and modesty and that whole route, whole different animal. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, how do I hold both at the same time? And, yeah. but like, also like not be dismissive or ugly or mm-hmm. hurtful to my coworker. Yeah. Um and honestly the answer was don't say anything. Sure. That was my answer was uh Paige you're not going to say anything until you have a clear direction on what to say. Yeah. So I didn't say anything in that situation mm-hmm. um because I didn't know, you know, what the proper way to respond would be mm-hmm. to that situation. And so yeah, that's it it happens yeah it totally does and let's even pull it back to a less like controversial topic let's think about even like swearing right yeah um my coworkers have have fruity language yeah um i have never asked anyone not to swear in front of me right but at the same time a lot of them will realize that i'm in the room and they're like sorry i was like what why yeah it's fine you know um i will even pull out a well-placed swear word um, at the right time and oh, it gets attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes. it's still that, like, I don't want to live. Like, I think I'm above them. Right. Um, I don't want them to feel like they have to change who they are simply because I'm here. Right. And so while it's not going to be every other, you want them to change, but mouth, not because of you. Exactly. You want them to change because exactly. of Jesus. Exactly. Um, and it's not going to be every other word coming out of my mouth ever. Um, right. But at the same time, like, sometimes it's the right word. Yeah. And so what does it look like to not expect to hold them to the same standard that, I, that Jesus holds me to, because Jesus isn't holding them to that standard right now because they don't know Jesus. If right. they knew Jesus, he would be holding them to that standard. Um, and I had a coworker who was like, I'm trying to clean up my language because I just met Jesus. Can you hold me accountable? Mm. I was like, absolutely. I can. Mm. But until he had asked me that, I had no interest in policing his words. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great example. And I've ran into the same exact thing where, mm-hmm. um, she said like one of my coworkers said something in a meeting and I'm like I didn't even think two th- thoughts about it mm-hmm. I was just like yeah like okay um and mm-hmm. then she like messaged me individually and was like I'm so sorry I'm like yeah I don't care do you yeah. like I mm-hmm. that's yeah I say it too like right it ha- right. it happens you know and like I ran into that issue a lot when I was in college and realizing like a lot of my friends just tried to hide things from me because they knew I would disapprove and I feel like that's a whole other conversation on friendship yeah. but yep um you know it happens and and it's very commonplace but I think too like it is an opportunity to set yourself apart from the rest of the world we're supposed to be of this world and not in this mm-hmm. world and um you know your co-workers will hopefully strive to have more I'm going to say this word, but I'm like grossed out that like, I'm like more moralistic behavior, I guess is the best way I can say it. Um, or not only around you, but it does like, think of it. You're spending 40 hours a week. If you mm-hmm. spend half that time with one coworker, you know, that's 20 hours of the week that they've decided to make more 
to make better decisions in their life that is more aligning um, to ultimately the gospel. But they don't yeah. know it yet, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Katie, I love this conversation. Any final thoughts? Oh goodness. Um, no, I think we've covered a lot of awesome. a lot of where my thoughts were. Yes. I think it's a matter of of living living well and loving well. Yeah, and that's kind of what it's all about for me. Listen well, live well, love well. And I just, so, I just came up with that right now. Actually, I might I might need to use that some more. On, say it again. Listen well, live well, love well. There you go. There you go. Maybe that'll New be the line. title for the episode. Um, I always like to finish off the episodes by asking my guests, what is one thing that our listeners can do this week to implement a, as a faith-based practice to help them grow in their faith? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about an app that I downloaded recently called One Minute Pause. It's from John Eldridge, um, which is so great. It is like a one-minute meditation. There are also three, five, ten-minute meditations as well. Um, and it will send you a reminder on your phone to take your pause. Um, mm. You can pick the time or it can do whatever you want. Um, and so it is that reminder to like take a step back, to reconnect yeah. with the Lord throughout the day, to it's literally one minute. If you already have your headphones in and your call's finished, but no one knows that, hey, guess what? You've got one minute to do your pause um, and to just take that second to breathe. Yeah, I love it. So one minute pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just called pause. Oh, yeah. pause. Mm-hmm. I love that. I had a boss one time who anytime a meeting finished early, he wouldn't say like, okay, like, you know, back to work. He'd be like, oh, great. You got 15 minutes. Go do something fun. Like oh, these cool. 15 minutes were already <laughs> accounted for. So there's that for the one minute pause. If you already have your headphones in, love then it. just take the pause anyways. Right. Katie, awesome. thank you so much for joining us. Now, where can people find you and your podcast and hear these awesome conversations? Yeah, absolutely. So my internet home address is katieaxelson.com. That's A-X-E-L-S-O-N. Um, and then Instagram, same handle, Katie Axelson. Pretty difficult, I know. Um, I do have a Facebook, Katie Axelson Writer. I don't know how often I update that. So probably <laughs> not the best way to connect with me, but it does exist. Um, and then the podcast is called Have Hope Will Travel. You can find the link to it on my Instagram, on my website, or it's on your favorite podcasting app. Um, episodes usually come out every other Monday, but um, in the process of moving. So it's kind of a, they come when they come when it's situation right now. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Katie. And we'll catch you guys next week. Awesome. Thank you.